Lord, thank you so much for tonight, and, and thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for worship, God, just being able to sit before your feet, Lord, spend time with you. And now as we get into your word, I ask that you would bless, God, that you would speak to our hearts and your Holy Spirit would move upon us. God, may we get excited for you to live for you, God. And so stir us up tonight, Lord. Continue to just change us, Lord, and, and transform us, God. And just help us, Lord, to love you more and live for you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, back in 2014, a man in Manchester, UK, found this image of Jesus burnt into his toast when it popped out of his toaster. Kind of made a little news there. I thought that was interesting because not too long after that, this company, the Vermont Novelty Toaster Corporation, came out with a new kind of small appliance. They call it the Selfie Toaster. Yes, you can now have your toast pop up with a picture of yourself burnt into the bread. Crazy, yeah? What they do is the customer would upload a picture of themselves to the company, and then after some adjustments in Photoshop, a plasma cutter creates a metal plate with the impression of the picture. The plate is installed into the toaster, and the whole process takes about 10 days. It costs $75. And then you receive your toaster. So, so then they say to the envy of your roommates, you can eat right in front of them the lightly grilled bread to a golden brown while the image of yourself is burnt in a little bit darker on your toast. I <laughs> like that. But I like this little comment. The president of the Vermont Novelty Toaster Corporation was reported to say, you don't have to be famous or Jesus to have your face on toast. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Well, I don't think Jesus is into being famous and wanting his face burnt onto a piece of toast at all. And to be like Jesus, it's not about proudly, right, having your face burnt onto a piece of toast. Anyway, well, as we continue in our study through the book of Philippians, we find that to be like Jesus is to follow Jesus in humility. For Jesus came to this earth from heaven in this amazing act that he did in humility. So I titled our message tonight, The Amazing Humility of Jesus. The Amazing Humility of Jesus. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 2 from verse 6 through 11 as we're continuing to make our way through this book and this chapter. And our outline is this. He came to be a servant man. He came to be our sacrifice lamb. And number three, he came to be the sovereign Lord. So that's our outline tonight. The amazing humility of Jesus. And you know, I, I, I was just studying this and it just amazed me. And so that's why I call it the amazing humility of Jesus. But first of all, let's begin with number one in our outline. He came to be a servant man. He came to be a servant man. So Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to cover verse 6 and 7 here in this first section. Let's look at those verses. Verse 6 reads, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. We'll stop there now. So we begin with Paul. He's continuing on with 
really what he had started back in verse 5. So remember, if you take a look, verse 5 is that transitional verse. We ended with that last time. Paul wrote, if you look at verse 5 again, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And others had, have the same mindset, right? And of thinking of others first, just as Jesus did. And that was the title of our message last time, Others First. So Jesus is the example believers are to follow, to be like Jesus, to hold to that same mindset that Jesus had putting others first. And you know, it, it, it all goes in line with what we saw at the beginning of this chapter, which was our title was the call to unity. So in this call to unity, we got to be thinking of others first. And now as we come into this section, we got to follow Jesus. We've got to have this same mindset. And we're going to look into what his mindset was. How are we to follow Jesus? Now Paul goes on to talk about this, how put others Jesus, how he showed others first, and how Jesus showed us what real humility is. So Paul writes this. Now as we get into verse 6, this is Jesus who... Though he was in the form of God. And I want you to stop right there. Let's look at this for a moment. The word form here in the Greek is morphe theou. Morphe theou, sorry. It means true, exact nature. It means to possess the qualities and character. And what is that of? Well, of God, it says, the form of God. So, what Paul is saying here in the original language is Jesus is the true, exact nature of God. Jesus possesses the qualities and character of God. So when he says form here, Paul is saying Jesus has and is and always been God. The reality is Jesus says very nature is that he is the eternal God. And so that's the idea. When Paul says form of God in the original language, basically it's saying Jesus is essentially God. Jesus is, in essence, God. Well, isn't that what the Apostle John was saying in John 1.1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word. So basically Paul says in that Jesus is essentially God, He, and he goes on in verse 6, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. All right, let's look at that. Jesus did not count or consider, I think that's a, a, a good word there, equality. The word equality, we know what that means, but here in the original language, just to let you know, it's, it's to be exactly the same, whether in quality, quantity, size, or character. It's exactly the same. In other words, everything God is, Jesus is. So, Paul is saying, Jesus did not consider, like, being God, something to be grasped. Now, the word grasped means to hold on to. Or, I like how the NLT puts it, something to cling to. In other words, Jesus was easily, Jesus easily and willingly was ready to let go, put aside his attributes of being God. That's the idea here. Now, this does not mean Jesus stopped being God, but volunteered to willingly like put aside his powers, put, put, uh, willingly limit you know, his powers as God. So the idea here is Jesus did not hesitate to willingly set aside his divine attributes. That's what Paul is getting into here. 
One commentary keeps this thought in context by saying, he did not consider his equality with God as something selfishly to be held onto. Jesus did not think of himself, he thought of others. So that really connects us to what we saw last time about putting others first. So here's Jesus, yeah? Here, he's God, right? But he, he didn't hesitate at all. He willingly set aside his divine attributes. Okay, you follow me so far? So Jesus, in that he is essentially God, did not consider being God something to like he had to selfishly cling to, but willingly, unselfishly, look at verse 7 now, he emptied himself. What does that mean? Well, this speaks of how Jesus laid aside the heavenly glory, how he laid aside, laid aside the right to his divine privileges, how he laid aside that power, how he laid aside his, his majesty or his authority as the eternal God. In other words, everything Jesus had in his possession, or, or not possession, position as king of heaven, he laid down. He, he put it aside. And how did Jesus do that? By, if you look at verse 7, taking the form, that word is the same that we saw in verse 6, morphe theo, which remember it means true exact nature, possessed the qualities and character. So Jesus laid aside basically his majesty to become a true servant. He went from the position of a king to the position of a slave, basically. And how is that? Well, by being born in the likeness of men. In others, by becoming a human man, a human being. So, if you can follow this now, the idea is Jesus laid aside his divine position to come down to this earth to serve, to live as a human being. So he came to be a servant man. That's our heading here. That's what the idea here is. That's what Paul is putting forth here. You know, what's amazing is Jesus did not come to this earth just as any human, but he came as a slave to serve, right? He talked about that. He came to, to, to serve and redeem people, to give his life. He came to submit, to do the will of the heavenly Father. He was not born in a palace, but he was born where? In a manger, right? He did not have riches and wealth. He was just a poor carpenter. He went from living, think about this, in the perfect heaven, right? In eternity, right? As God, he went from that to a human body. A human body that got tired, got hungry, thirsty, yeah, being fully human. But understand, this humanity stopped short of having that tendency to sin. Jesus, though fully human, was without sin. We know that Hebrews 4 15. This is all what is called the incarnation of God, becoming carnate or, or flesh or human, a human being, a servant man. Now take note that it's not that Jesus was like 50% God or 50% man. It's not that at all. No, incarnation means Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, which brings us to this main point in all of this. Jesus willingly put aside his robes of divinity and put on the robes of humanity. I think that's, for me, that's a real good way to picture all this. Jesus willingly put aside 
his robes of divinity and put on the robes of humanity. As he came to this earth, as he came from heaven, he came to serve. He lowered himself, and this is his humility. Long time ago, I read a story about a prominent Chinese Christian, uh, Lu Fu, was moved with this deep compassion for his fellow Chinese who were working in mines as slaves in South Africa. So you know what he did? Because he had such a burden for them, he sold himself for a term of five years so that he might share the gospel to his fellow countrymen. He, he had wealth, he had money, he was okay, but he sold himself to go into the mines to be with them. To, he made a contract for five years to be a slave for this mining company. He left his life behind, he toiled in the mines, and he preached Jesus. Every day he worked to the bone, he suffered, it was hard, but he preached Jesus. Sadly, he died there working in the mines, but not before 200 Chinese men were saved by Jesus and discipled by him. I, I love that because that's like what Jesus did. He came from heaven, right? He came from that position. He came from majesty to being a slave. And you know what? That's the heart of Jesus. Just what we saw with this, this uh, Lu Fu in the same way. Imagine Jesus, right, coming from living in the glories of heaven to dwell in the grossness of this world. Imagine Jesus, the eternal God, putting on this human body in all of its limitations. But you know what? He did that willingly. He did that willingly. So, now that we understand this, in context, this is the mindset believers should have. Think about that. That's what Paul is saying. It is this attitude of, of, of the selflessness, of, of giving, laying aside maybe comforts or privileges or possessions, not clinging to them, yeah, but loosening your grip on them. So with that same idea, are we willing, are you willing to put others first, yeah, to give up, to lay down those things those things maybe that, oh, you, you, you hold on to, or those things that, that, that you're tightly holding on to, are you willing to, to give up those things, lay down those things like Christ did? That's what he did, you guys. Think about that, you know, his comfort, maybe to, we could say that, his place and position, right? He was willing to take that, that position of a servant to serve, yeah? Not, he didn't come to be served, remember he said, but to serve. Sometimes we're, 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 we want to be served, you know. But look what Jesus did. He's the one who served. And that is what we are to follow. Think about that for a moment. That is what we are to be like. I was thinking about a, a book I read a long time ago. I read it a couple times, but it was a long time ago. And it was by Charles M. Sheldon called In His Steps. I don't know if you've read that. It's about how a town was transformed when they began to ask themselves, what would Jesus do? And maybe you recognize that. It's that WWJD, right? And that, that's where it came from. It came from this book. So ask yourself in your situation, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? What would he do? He would serve, yeah? He, he would come down. He would be, I was thinking like, sometimes when I'm talking to the kids in Kiki Church, you know, 
I come down, I, you know, I'm not talking up here, but I'll get on my knees or I'll sit on the floor and just to be with them. You know, we lay aside those things to, 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 to serve, not that we would be served, but to serve them. So Jesus laid aside all those things, even the right for him to be God, selfless, selflessly. This is the amazing humility of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing to me. So he came to be a servant man. Secondly, he came to be our sacrifice lamb. He came to be our sacrifice lamb. That's our second heading here. Now look at the next verse, Philippians 2, verse 8, and that's what we're going to take a look at in this section. It says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, with Jesus being found or recognized in human form, Form. This word form is different from what we saw in the verses above. This word in the Greek is schema. It means like shape. So this speaks of how Jesus was, hey, born a baby boy, grew up to be a man. That, that's how he was seen. You know, we've seen him as a human in human form. And in that, he humbled himself. In this way, he submitted to the Father's will by being obedient to what the Father's plan was for our salvation. So by being obedient even to the point of death, and that is even the death of the cross, what Paul is writing here. Right? The Father's plan was for Jesus to come, be born a human, grow up, become a man, and then die on the cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven and saved. And if you think about the Old Test in the Old Testament, only a perfect unblemished lamb could be offered as an atonement for sin. So Jesus, who is God, could only be the perfect sacrifice. That's why God had to come. That's why God had to become a man to die for our sins. God cannot die. He's eternal, right? So what did Jesus do? He became a man to be able to die for our sins. That's God's plan. That's the Father's plan. That's how it all worked out. So, the idea here in verse 8 is Jesus lowered himself to suffer humiliation and death to save us. And this is how he came to be our sacrifice lamb, our heading. He came to be our sacrifice lamb. Now, we've talked all about this before, how brutal and cruel, how, how the suffering was painful, how unfair that Jesus went through for us on the cross, right? If you think about his death, right? Yeah, all that whole process, the whole Good Friday, we talk about that. How he was falsely accused, mocked, right? Spit upon, he was beaten, scourged. His, it says scripture, in scripture, his beard was painfully plucked out. Then he was crucified, hung on a cross. And remember, the, the crucifixion was designed for maximum pain, right? And a slow, long death. So it was, it was the worst way you could ever die. The crucifixion also was not for citizens of Rome, but for enemies of the state, for the lowest criminals and slaves. And that's where Jesus hung and was counted as one of those being falsely accused. Shamefully counted in that way. For the Jews, even crucifixion was a form of hanging, which meant whoever hung on the cross was cursed by God. That's what 
that Jesus was thought of. So the cross was pain, suffering, humiliation, death, yet Jesus willingly and obediently fulfilled the Father's plan to save us from our sins. That's what Jesus did. That's the amazing thing to me. In his humility, he lowered himself to suffer this humiliation and to die for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Yet, uh, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or, or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He shed his blood for us as a human being. I mean, I, I, I don't like blood. I don't like to see blood. I'm like, ooh. You know, if I see blood or on the TV, I'm like, I'm not watching. I'm not, you know, Kristen likes the surgery shows. Cardi and me, oh, I, I don't like that, you know. But think about Jesus, yeah? I mean, becoming a human and bleeding for us. I mean, being humiliated, suffering in that way, and then dying, his blood was shed for us. That's Jesus. Well, what we see here is this in verse 8. Jesus chose to go as far as it takes to make the sacrifice to save us. Jesus chose to go as far as it takes to make the sacrifice to save us. That's what Jesus did. He was our sacrifice. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed much, if you think about coming from heaven, right? He sacrificed so much for you and I, for our salvation. You know, when I think about people making sacrifices for me, I think of my own parents. They immigrated from Japan, worked hard, gave up much to give my sister and I a good life, really, providing for us. Burned in my mind is my dad, always waking up before dawn, starting his truck, warming it up, and then leaving for his, um, he had his own business and doing yard maintenance and all. He worked hard, and coming home almost 12 hours later, doing this six days a week. I, I remember that. I remember when dad went left and dad came home, and think about my mother going without things, you know. Just, I, I think about my parents going without things to save for a house they can buy in a safer neighborhood so my sister and I would not be in danger. They sacrificed much. And it was this sacrifice, how my, this was how my parents chose to do. They chose to do whatever it takes to go as far as putting themselves aside to sacrifice their wants, their needs, to give us kids, you know, their children, a better life. That's what Jesus did. Jesus laid aside not only his majesty in heaven, but he became a man. And not only that, he gave his life. He bled for us. He died for our sins in humility, in shame, in, this, in, in, in a kind of death that's most painful, most suffering way to go. It wasn't like a quick thing. This is what Jesus did. What a sacrifice. What selflessness how the King of Heaven stepped down and in great humility would give us all for you and me. Again, in context, this is the mindset believers should have. This is what we should follow. This is the example before this, before us. 
This is what Paul is saying. This attitude of selfless sacrifice is what should be in our heart. Putting aside, yeah, uh, thinking about ourselves or, or, or our convenience or, 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 well, no, I got to be first here. No, putting others first. Willing to go without for <clears throat> others, right? Choosing to perhaps suffer some that someone else may be blessed, that someone else would gain. Giving up your gain so that someone else may gain more. Sacrificing maybe what you want, like you want so badly, so others can have it. Those are just some ideas. You know, I was thinking about this, how um, just, uh, I don't I think it was yesterday, uh, there was a long line at Subway down in Kaului, and the other day, and we were grabbing some sandwiches for Jaren and Tati, just treating them with lunch, you know, and, and they've been just eating hospital food, and I think Tati really craved, like, some Subway. So we went, we went Subway downtown, and Chris and I were, we, we, we walked in, there was this line, and it was lunchtime, so, you know, granted, there's this line, and, and so we stepped in, a, a, you know, back of the line, and then um, <clears throat> I went to, you know, uh, well, we both went to grab some chips, you know, you could get the combo meal, and they requested certain chips, Jared and Tati did, and so we went there, and we turned around, a couple was, like, already there, <laughs> like, where we were, and I was like, oh, okay, we just kind of moved behind them, and then we kind of turned to chips again, turned around, and then all of a sudden, they were like behind us. I go, oh, wait, but you, you, can, you can go. It's, it's okay. He goes, no, no, you can go. No, no, it's okay. You can go. And, and, you know, there's a little argument of that. Oh, no, you go first. No, you go first kind of thing. Because everyone's so nice, you know. But I, I, it, it touched my heart because, you know what? I know when it comes to food and when you're hungry, right? Get out of the way. No, I'm first. No, I got to get my food. You know, that kind of thing. And there's certain, certain things in our life like food, right? You're not nice, you know? Because <laughs> when you get hungry, you're hungry. You've got to eat. And, you know, those, those natural, physical, you know, hunger things kind of kicking in you. And you got to have it, you know, kind of thing. And I was thinking, you know, there's certain things in our life, maybe hunger or, or maybe you have, you've been looking at buying something for a long time and then you want it, but then, then there's only one left. And no, I got to have it. You know, there's all kinds of things in our life that, we, we won't negotiate. We, we are like, no, this is for me. No, I got to have this. No, I want it now. Get out of the way or else, you know, that kind of thing. But those are the things we should sacrifice, you know. Those are the kind of stuff that we should be able to say, no, you can have it. No, even if I go without, even though I've been saving up all this time, and there's only one. Okay, go ahead. You can have it. You know, you kind of wonder why there's so many fights at Christmas time, you know, when, when, you know, Black Friday and all that stuff. It's those precious things, you know, that, 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 that monster comes out, you know, when, when, oh, when you don't get it. But that's where we want to sacrifice. We want to give. We want to think of others first. I mean, Jesus gave it all. You know? I think we need to be thinking like that. I mean, there's stuff we can say, oh yeah, yeah, you can go first. Oh yeah, you know, oh I'm not hungry, go ahead, go first, it's okay, you know. When it works for you, yeah, right? But are you willing to just lay those things down for that other person? I'll tell you, start, whatever that is in your life, Think about that. You know, meditate on this. 
you know, tonight, tomorrow. Think about what are those things that you will not negotiate. No, this is, I'm, I'm, you put yourself first. God is saying, no, start changing that. Because, you know, when we rationalize or when we allow that, that monster, you know, to hold on to that thing, to grip and stay, you know, it, it's only going to, if it lives there, it's only going to spread into other things. And I believe God wants to change us, you guys. God wants to get deeper in our hearts and as we're looking at what Jesus did and his sacrifice of his life and what he did here, that's what we got to follow. And what is it anyway, you know? What is it that we, we are trying to grab first and all? What is that anyway? Especially compared, if you look at what Jesus Christ did for us, right? Let's remember that. I love what this missionary to China, India, and Africa said, C.T. Studd. He said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Right? If he did this, what, what is it to me? To give up my, my place in line? You know? To wait another month for that item? Or what? You know? What, what is it? What is that? And you know, C.T. Studd, he was a missionary. He went to China, India, Africa, the established, and that's what he's really talking about. You know, what is it to me to, to, to give my life over to missions, to go to a foreign country when Christ died for me? This is nothing. So let's be more like this amazing humility of Jesus. Well, he came to be a servant man. He came to be our sacrifice lamb. And number three now, he came to be the sovereign Lord. He came to be the sovereign Lord. So Philippians chapter 2, we'll finish our section here from verse 9 through 11, beginning at verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. All right, so Paul's going on here. Now he tells us that Therefore, in other words, since Jesus humbled himself as a servant man, as our sacrifice lamb, God the Father then has highly exalted Jesus. See, because Jesus willingly set aside his glory to obey the Father's will, then you know what? God turned around and exalted him. And that's when God raised Jesus up from the dead. It's, talking, it's really, that's part of all that he's bringing in here. He brought Jesus back into heaven, glorified him, Put him, restored his position and gave him authority above all things. And that's why it says Jesus holds the name that is above every name. There's no one in a higher position than Jesus Christ. The one who is God, the one who gave up heaven to come to the earth, the one who came as a servant man, the, the one who came to be our sacrifice for sins, the one who showed us what true humility is like has been exalted. God the Father has exalted God the Son. And there is no other name that is higher or greater than Jesus. He's the one. Listen to this list of, of names of Jesus we find in the Bible. And, and I think that this is what really like, just, uh, uh, you know, more than just, well, he's the name of all names. Well, well, let me give you some names and it'll help you like even fill in this picture. He is called Logos, light of the world, light of life, the tree of life, the word of life, the bread that came down from heaven, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life. He is Emmanuel, our Redeemer. He is the Beloved. He is 
one whom the Father is well pleased, the door of the sheep, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the shepherd and bishop of our souls, a lamb without spot or blemish, a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Messiah, the Lord, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, God with us, God our Savior, the only wise God, our Savior, the Lord which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty, the Great I Am. So that really colors in this picture to me of Jesus, the name above all names, Jesus who's been exalted in this way. So God has lifted up Jesus, and look at verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you see the name of Jesus, at his name, every knee should bow. And it's interesting, Paul is all those in heaven, which refers to all the angels and most likely saved people there. On earth refers to all humanity, all nations, all peoples. Under the earth, well, I believe it refers to like Satan and his demons and some of the commentators even say even those who are unsaved, right, in hell. All will bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every tongue will confess, every angel, every demon, every person, every Satan, they'll all acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this will ultimately glorify the Father. The idea is that all of heaven, all of the underworld, all of humanity, saved or not, will publicly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And in the end, all will see Jesus has come to this place. He came to be the sovereign Lord that he set upon the throne. Now, just a note here. Many believe that these verses we've been studying are actually an er, early hymn that the church sang. And so Paul's bringing it in here to, to support what he's been talking about. But here we see some amazing truths because it's in the Word of God, whether it was a hymn or not, or Paul through the Holy Spirit wrote this. We see this amazing truth, how, how Jesus, who chose to serve the Father in this amazing humility, was exalted. The one who humbled himself, crowned the King of Kings, the one who gave himself to die for our sins, was resurrected and set as Lord of Lords. The one who did the greatest act of humility was then granted the highest position of all. That's what we're seeing here. This is the principle of God. And really, as Jesus said in Matthew 23, 12, he said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, right? But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. So all this brings us to this last point, this last thought. The highest honor goes to Jesus, the one who gave up the most. The highest honor goes to Jesus, the one who gave up the most. That's what I see here, you guys. This is the amazing thing. This is what Jesus has done, and God, the Father, has honored him. He came from heaven. He, God, he came from heaven into a human body. I mean, just that is like, that's crazy. Then on top of that, he dies on the cross, serving us. That's crazy. God doing that for us. No wonder the Father exalted and gave him the highest honor because 
He did the most. He gave up the most. He brought salvation for you and I, for the world, right? The highest honor goes to Jesus, the one who gave up the most. I read a story. Everyone agreed that this man was to receive this medal. He was voted the most humble person in the church. But the next Sunday, they had to take it away from him because he wore it. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But now, now Jesus, okay, Jesus did not receive honor, you know, because of, he was so humble. But it's because of what he did in his humility. That's what I want to bring your thought. He laid aside Everything, even to the point, right, of obedience to dying, the most gruesome death you could ever die. He is honored for, think about it this way, for being our hero, right? For being our hero who gave of himself without thought to himself at all. Remember the quote from last week where Warren Wiersbe said, the humble person is not one who thinks meanly or lowly of himself. He simply does not think of himself at all. And that is Jesus. He did not think of himself. Jesus is restored to his position because of this, because he's our hero of our salvation. That's why he's exalted, because of what he did in this humility. The highest honor goes to Jesus, the one who gave up the most. No wonder there's a scene in heaven in Revelation 5. And let me read it to you. There's a scene in heaven. And it says, John writes, Then I looked. This is verse 11 through 14. 5, 11 through 14 in Revelation. John writes, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the, uh, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. They're giving glory and honor, right? Then they say, to receive power and wealth and wisdom, might and honor and glory and blessing. And then John says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Why? Because in his humility, the Lamb of God died for our sins, became a man, sacrificed himself. Isn't this amazing to think? I, to me, that's why I'm, I'm just amazed in Christ's humility. Yeah. And what he did for us was, that's his heart. That, that's what he did. That's the actions he took. And no wonder he is glorified. No wonder he is exalted. So again, you guys, in context, this is the mindset believers should have. Now, it's not so much that we're going to, oh, receive a reward for being so humble, right? Yeah, don't, don't pin it on because then you have to take it away. No. But, but focusing on what we are to do in that humility, we are to give up the most, right? We are to, that, that's how, when we think of others first, this call for unity, you and I individually, we should be the ones who are going to give up the most, like Christ did. He's our example. In that way, we are being like Jesus. In that way, we are being most like Jesus when we give up the most. We are following in, that, in his footsteps 
And you know, when we live like that, God is pleased. And whatever we give up in this life, anyway, it's nothing compared to what we'll have in heaven, right? Right? So, no worries. No worries about that. Though, Scripture does tell us that we will rule and reign with Jesus, which is kind of interesting in this whole mix, too, in following this. But uh, let me put it another way. Look, look at it this way. Satan, what did he do? What we believe, right? And he tried to exalt himself. I think Isaiah 14, right? He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to have that authority. But what happened? He was cast out of heaven. Eventually, he'll be cast into the bottomless pit, right? He's going to be humbled. Jesus, though, on the other hand, humbled himself to do God's will, whatever that was, in obedience. Even if it meant being shamed, being, being, being falsely accused, suffering, going through pain, losing everything in the world, and even dying on the cross. But what happened to Christ? He was honored, exalted, lifted up, set at the right hand of the Father. You know what we see? Jesus did what we should be like. That's the way of humility. That's the character of God. So let me ask you, looking at it all like that, which way do you want to follow? Right? Satan's way or Jesus' way? I hope that after tonight, after this study, you will reassess what it really means yeah, to have humility. You'll reassess really what, what greatness really is. Because sometimes we think, well, I'm great, I do this, all that. It's opposite of the world. It's opposite of how we've been thinking many times. Look what Jesus did and how amazingly incredible what he did in humility. I want to close with what F.B. Meyer once wrote. He said, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above the other, and the taller we grew in Christian character, the easier we could reach them. I now find, he says, that God's gifts are on shelves, one beneath the other. It's not the question of growing taller, but of stooping down to get his best gifts. I like that. I like that, you guys. I don't know about you, but this is all speaking to me. And, and I want my mind to be changed, you know, what it really means to, to have humility, what it really means to, to live our life for God, what it really means to, to have God's heart and, and, and His attitude and His mindset. I want to change that more and more. Because this is Jesus. That's what's so amazing about what he did. And we need to do amazing things like this too, guys. We need to have the amazing humility of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I am so humble, God. I'm just so floored, Lord, and, and convicted by just getting into the study and looking deeper into what you have done, Lord, and what, what your mindset was and, and how you approach things and in your obedience and how far you sacrifice and how, what you gave up to be a servant, Lord, and, and to come to this earth as a human and, and to, to look and see, God, that you were exalted because of what you've done, Lord. And God, help 
me help us, Lord, to change our mindset, to see, Lord, things differently, to see other people differently, to see how we carry ourselves and, and, and how we maybe put ourselves first and not others first and whatever areas those are, Lord. Let us deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow you tonight. So, Lord, as we pray right now, I ask that you would hear the cry, God, and, and know inside our hearts as we, we confess to you our sins and our failures, Lord. But as I pray right now and as we confess, Lord, may you forgive us and then change us. Transform us, Lord. As we hear your word, God, as we're washed clean by your word and by your blood, Lord, you change us. You transform us. The Holy Spirit is, is working a work in us to bring fruit out of an out of our lives. So I ask that right now that as I pray, as we've heard and studied your word today, God, may that, Lord, transform us right now in those areas, God, that we see in our hearts. May we be different next time, Lord. May we see things differently. May we see the other person differently, God. May we be like you even more and more in humility, and especially in our actions. So thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.